Welcome to the podcast, Inside Out. If this is your first time joining us, this is a story that you've arrived in the middle of. It's best to start at episode one. This is season two, My Life Inside a Federal Prison Camp. Season one is the truth is the first victim. And it would be best if you started season one, episode one, and worked your way through. New episodes drop every Sunday. We're so glad you're here. This is Inside Out. I'm your host, James Catledge. Welcome aboard. Okay, this uh, episode of Inside Out, my life inside of federal prison, late in season two, is dedicated to Randy Chastain. And yes, I'm using his last name. He's asked me to use his last name. Randy is our Santa Claus bank robber. <laughs> the gentleman who I suggested uh, you would hire at your church to be a Santa Claus. Well, uh, and Randy would do it, and Randy would love it, and, and Randy would enjoy it. So I got a call from Randy yesterday. I was playing golf, and I see the call come through. And I, I don't take calls on the golf course, so I texted him back and said, I'll call you as soon as I'm done. He said, please do. I need to talk to you urgently. So. I'm going to get back to that phone call, but I want to tell you how Randy and I met. I'm going down to the halfway house on a somewhat monthly basis for a random UA, a random urine analysis. And so I'm down there um, probably six months to a year having been out on my own in home confinement. And I'm down there. And what I usually do is I go down there and knock. They, they buzz you in. They can see you through the glass. They buzz you in, and then you sign into the record, and then you sit down a minute while the one of the security guards figures out uh, who who's going to go do the UA because they've got to be with you in the bathroom to to execute this and watch to make sure you're not using someone else's urine to be tested. So I usually just sit down in one of the chairs in the lobby. I never go backstage. I don't, I've never seen really back there where the guys live. I haven't been there yet, but on this day. There's a there's an inmate uh, seated in one of the other chairs in the lobby, and I you know I don't re- I'm not down there making eye contact. I'm not down there really talking to a bunch of guys. I'm just there to do my UA and leave. I can tell this guy's staring at me, and uh, typically I'm just not going to even acknowledge that. I'm just going to let that go by. Well, I'm sitting out there quite a while, and, and I'm just waiting patiently. I've got my phone with me, so I'm checking messages and stuff. And this guy says to me. Hey, listen, um, are you new here? Just like that. So I, I, I roll over to him. I look, you know, roll my, roll my eyes and my head, my body language toward him. And I said, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm down here doing a UA. I'm, I'm on home confinement. And he says, you vibrate differently. This is literally the words he said. He says, you vibrate differently. Something's very different about you. Now, this guy, this guy doesn't know me. He's just sitting there observing me. He says, uh, I, I got to know, what, what the hell are you involved in this system for? I got to know. I got to know. You, you are vibrating at a very high frequency. So this guy's, you know, so, somehow uh, able to read vibrations, I guess. Uh, and I said, well, I'm going to take that as a compliment. And uh, I'm in here for mail fraud. And I've been released from incarceration, and I'm now in home confinement, you know. And, and, and inmates kind of have this mutual respect for each other. 
and uh, there's there's this collegial feeling, you know, this this friendly feeling toward each other. And, I, and I'm being real kind to him, and of course he's being kind to me. And we're probably sitting four feet apart in these wingback chairs in the lobby of the halfway house. He says, "Listen, man, I did 36 years. I got sent here yesterday. I'm now going home. I've been in jail for 36 years." And I thought to myself, my God, I've never met anybody who's done 36 years. And I said, well, if you don't mind telling me, what are you in here for? <laughs> and he says, I robbed 55 banks. So we're sitting there, and Randy gives me the whole story about how he got caught and the 55 banks and the whole thing, and the FBI's profile in of him that led ultimately to his capture. And he says, listen, man, I got, I got nobody. Uh, I got no family. I, got, I, I really, the, the friends I met are all in, inside still. He said, I, I've been here two days. I'm just getting settled into this halfway house. He says, but I'm going to be heading home. And I need to know how life works, man. On the outside, I'm a little scared, to be honest with you. I knew how life works. I knew how to open a bank account. I need to know how to get a job. I need to know how to get a car. How do you do insurance? I mean, he goes, all these things are stressing me out. He goes, I've literally been institutionalized, having been in so long. He says, and I got a bad reputation inside. I've heard a bunch of guys. He goes, I, he goes, he goes I, I didn't just rob banks, but I, I used to harm and hurt and beat up drug dealers. He goes, they have the money. And so I, I would go in, and I don't do drugs, but I would beat them, to, I'd beat them close to death, beat, beat them down hard, and then take their money. He goes, and so that's, that's how I lived. I lived off bank robbing and banging up on drug dealers. And so inside, my reputation was such that I had to continue hurting drug dealers inside. And there's a bunch of them in there, as you know, drug dealers. He says, so that, that, that was my thing. And so my record's pretty jacked up. I'm, uh, I'm considered, you know, a violent guy. And, uh, but I'm not violent, you know. And I can kind of read this, this guy. This guy about probably has the capacity for violence. And I'm sure he's been very violent. No doubt about it, okay? No doubt about it. But he also has a real big heart, and he's a loyal guy. I can just sense all that, just sitting there talking. So we have this beautiful conversation about, listen, let's stay in touch. I'm gonna, I want you to take my number down. Uh, I'm going to go do this UA, and when I come back, I'm going to put my number in your phone, and let's, let's stay in touch. And so that's what we do. I, I come out of the UA. He's standing up to greet me, shakes my hand, gives me a hug. We do one of these multiple handshake things where you do the regular shake and the thumbs and we pull each other in, we give each other a hug like we're, we're friends. And so and this happens kind of quick with men who have been incarcerated because there's a level of trust there. You, you realize that you've both been on a tortured journey. His far more tortured than mine, but there's a shared understanding of the tortured journey. And once that's happened, there's a, there's a huge brotherhood amongst guys who've done time. And so Randy and I connect that way. And he, he knows that or feels that I have the ability to be assist, help to him. And I guess he's read me, you know, doing time. You, can, you get pretty good at reading people. And so he's done 36 years. So he's really an expert at putting the read on folks. And so first thing I know that night, I'm back at my home with my son, Brandon. And I get a text from Randy and Randy texts me. He says, Hey man, just wanted to tell you how much I appreciated our conversation today. It was very uplifting to me. 
or encouraging, and I am going to stay in touch with you. So I, I click voice message and leave him a voice message, an audio recording, encouraging him, telling him what I'd like him to do, tell him a book I want him to get, start reading. Anyway, I, I, I begin to basically coaching him toward the right mindset and success. And I know how to do that. I, I've spent my life doing that. I've, I've done that with myself. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm quite, it's not, it's, it's not amateur hour. I know, I know how to do this. And so he hits me back and we, we exchange back and forth for several weeks. And then, and then every now and then he'll call me and ask me some question about life and, and I'll answer it and he'll let me go. And he's, he's got a job, he's got a car, he's got a bank account opened up or Andy's moving forward in life. Well, Next thing I know, I'm down there to do another UA, and I think I'm going to run into Randy. Well, this is the time where Mr. James says, please have someone come and take your car. You're going to be staying with us for a while. This is the day where they pull me back in. Well, they pull me back in. Of course, you know the story. I've got roommates now, Doug and Steve and another fella. And I'm thinking Randy's either been released already or he's still filling here. And so I ask around, and sure enough, Randy's there. So I see Randy looks cleaned up. He looks so much better than that first day when I met him because he had just gotten out of prison. So he just looked better, man. He had his hair groomed properly. He had work clothes on. I guess he's driving a bus for the city of Las Vegas. And uh, he's he got a job. He's got money coming in. And, and so the first thing, he's, he's spending time down in my cubicle now, sitting on the bed and talking. And, and uh, he's never met the men in my room, even though he's been there seven, eight months. He's never met these men. And so I introduced him to Doug and introduced him to Steve. And, and, uh, but Rand, Randy and I are close enough that Randy's, when he's not at work, he's down in my cubicle and we're having conversations. Well, Randy says, Hey James, I need you to wake me up. Be my second alarm because I sometimes sleep right through my alarm. So he goes to work at like a graveyard shift. He goes in at like midnight and then is back to the halfway house by 7 a.m. So sure enough, I, I go wake Randy up by 1130 so he can get ready and, and disappear. And, and, and we do that almost every night he works because he just needs that backup. And, you know, when you wake a guy up, you don't know. Sometimes violent guys, when you wake them up, they, <laughs> they respond violently, uh, especially guys who have been in battle, you know. Uh, but that's not Randy. Randy's not that way. Randy's just a sweet, kind man, and everything's going really good. Waking him up, and he's getting ready. He's so appreciative. He's very grateful. He's saving food for me. He knows I'm not getting enough calories, so he's saving food for me. He figures out what I like. And one thing he says to me, he says, listen, I know every MF are in here. Anybody else with you, you point them out to me. You understand? I don't want you keeping that to yourself. Anybody else with you, he says it real loud. So the people in the cubicles on either side of us hear this. I said, nobody's going to mess with me. Don't, don't worry about that. I can handle myself. Nobody's convinced. He said, James, you don't know. These guys have been in all levels of incarceration. You got guys from USPs in here who are animals. You've got guys from mediums. You got violent guys in here. And I, and I said, we got bank robbers in here too, Randy. I don't know if you've heard, but we got bank robbers in here. And those are the guys that really scare me. You know? So he, he gets a big kick out of that. He knows he's one of the nation's greatest bank robbers. So we're getting along great. And one thing that's in this halfway house, which is disgusting, are pedophiles or uh, child molesters. And they're not allowed to be in a camp. They have to go to a lower or a medium based on how much time they've been given. 
and then they're in somewhat protected custody because they could be killed for sure. But the way you know they're a child molester, it's the first time I've run into this in my time inside, is they're not allowed to have a smartphone. They've got one of those phones that you give to your grandparents with the large buttons on it, the large numbers. Uh, so they're not allowed to have a smartphone connected to the internet. Just not allowed. It's part of their part of their punishment. They're not allowed to be on the internet. So they, so you can tell right away. And their housing is also up front. So in case they're attacked at night in the halfway house, security can get to them quick. And so they're up front. Well, I spot these guys. I don't sit with them for meals. You can't sit. You can't sit with a child molester. You just can't do it. You got to separate yourself from these guys. Well, a child molester sits down at my table for breakfast. And he's got the crazy phone with the big buttons. And so I know I got to get up. I mean, it's just... Number one, I don't like sitting there. Number two, I don't want a conversation with this guy. And God forbid some inmate in there thinks that this guy and I are friends. So that, that's just not going to work for me. So I get up. Well, Randy's walking in as I'm getting up. And Randy from, from the front of the room says, Catledge, who the F are you sitting with? Just like that. And he says the word. Who the F are you sitting with? I said, well... I'm getting up. He just sat down. He goes right over that guy, grabs him right at the nape of the chest, you know, kind of at the top of his shirt. It says, if you ever speak to Catledge again, I'll personally kill you. That's what he tells this guy. I swear to you. He tells this guy this. I said, Randy, that guy hasn't said a word to me and won't. Don't, don't even worry about it. And Randy goes, well, he needs to know from me, James. Uh, that that we're just not doing that. There'll be no child molesters talking to my friend. I said, "All right, buddy, we got it. We're clear on this." So this is Randy, right? He's a protector. He's a warrior, prepared to be violent if he needs to be, and he will be your your <laughs> Santa Claus at your church if you dare hire him to do that. He would love to do that. Anyway, so Randy and I are doing fine. Uh, after two and a half months of me being in there, it's time for me to leave. And of course, I got to say bye to Randy. And this is a little sad. I've been in there where Randy lives now, and we've really established this bond. And I got him, in my opinion, set up for making great decisions. And uh, so Randy walks me to my car in the parking lot and uh, helps me load my car, gives me a huge long hug like a brother or a father. I mean, just a, just a deep, compassionate hug. And it's a little sad. I feel, I feel emotion for sure. Hugging Randy. Well, I back my car up and, and start to drive away. And he's standing there waving at me. Let, you know, like you're visiting your grandparents. And they won't leave the driveway until your car disappears out of sight, right? Well, that's Randy. He's not going to move until I have left his visual sight. He wants me to know he loves me. He wants me to know he cares about me. And he wants me to know this is a sad moment for him. Well, we stay in touch over the phone. And speed up to yesterday. So I get a text. I'm out golfing. I get a text and it says, Catledge, call me as soon as you get this. And I texted back and I said, look, I'm golfing. As soon as I'm done golfing, I'll call you right away. He says, okay, please do really need to talk to you. Well, I'm leaving. I dial him up as soon as I hit the guard gate from the golf course. And I said, Randy, what's going on, brother? I figure something's up. He may have some heavy question or trying to buy a car or something. That's kind of life, you know, one of these adult decisions that he's just not had to deal with yet. 
And uh, he says, well, I just want you to know I'm going back in. I said, going back in to the halfway house? And I fear, you know, that he means prison. He goes, no, no, they're, they're not going to take you back there. He says, they're going to take me back to the penitentiary. I said, but tell me what happened, Randy. He said, well, I got mad at my probation officer, and she was rude to me, and I, I kind of went off on her, and she said uh, that by tomorrow morning, you know, this is four months ago, by tomorrow morning, you show up, get your ass to my office where I'm putting a federal warrant, fugitive warrant, out on you. And so he hangs up on her. And he doesn't like being talked to like that. And he's a bit of a sexist, so he doesn't even like a lady talking to him this way. He's pissing him off. And uh, so he does not show up. And sure enough, they place a fugitive warrant. He's been on the run for four months. He left his, his home, left his car, and has been sleeping on couches and in homeless shelters basically for four months. And I didn't know any of this. And so we talked for a good while about decision-making and anger management. And, and he talked to me about seeing a therapist for the first time in his life and how that went really well. And he says to me, James, the reason I called you is I knew you'd talk me into going in and I, I'm ready to go in. And I, I knew I needed to tell you what was going on. You're one of five people in my life that I, I want you to know what's going on. And I, I just respect you so much. I said, look, buddy, I love you, man. And I, I don't just respect you, I care about you. And I want you to turn yourself in for sure. I said, they probably have you written down as armed and dangerous and you know they'll shoot you, Randy. They will shoot you. They will not give you a chance to, to uh, have an anger issue. Uh, you're already, you know, disobedient with the orders from the probation people. And they have your record inside where they know you stabbed a bunch of guys. They know you've You've been violent inside. They know that outside part of your crime was robbing drug dealers and violently hurting them. They, they know this. And so he says, I know. When they transfer me, they shackle me and they, they put the handcuffs at my waist and then they black box me where they lock up my hands in a black box. He goes, that's happened every transfer for the last 35 years, James. Every transfer I've ever had, they black box me. And black box is terrible because you can't scratch your nose. You can't get your hands up at all, your hands are clenched, the handcuffs are on them, they're at your waist, and then there's a box around your hands. So just in case you can wiggle your hands out, they can't get out of the box. So black boxing is a is how they handle violent inmates. And he says, James, they've transferred me uh, separate from other inmates. They've, they've done all this stuff. I said, listen, man, they will pro I promise you, they will shoot you with a gun, maybe several guns. You don't want to die like that. That's not the way you're going down, Randy. There's too much greatness in you. There's way too much power in you. We're absolutely not going down like this. He says, I agree. I know that's true. I know that's what they'll do. And so tomorrow, Monday, January 29th, 2024, Randy's going to turn himself into the U.S. Marshals. And I walked him through what to say. Just tell him, your name's Randy Chestain. And, and you know they're looking for you. And you want to turn yourself in so it won't be any problems. They'll respect that. They'll appreciate that. You'll be extended courtesies all the way to Pahrump, where they're going to put you. They're going to put you in a federal wedge in Pahrump. They can transfer you to Oklahoma City Transfer Center. And then from there, they'll designate you to a USP. You'll be there for a year and a half. 
till your uh, supervised release is over, then you come at home. I said, I want you to keep my number, give it to the folks you're currently hiding out with, make sure you've got my number, and when you get out, James Catledge wants to hear from you. We're gonna talk our way back into a great life, okay? That, that's a commitment from me, and I want you to keep your mind on that while you're inside. I want you to read good books, making good friends, don't hurt anybody in there, and let's, let's, let's prepare for a great life. That's, that's my suggestion. So that's Randy, my buddy. And this is sadly part of the experience of doing time and uh, some of the great men you meet. I, I got to tell you, one of the things that's on my mind a lot is I think about Randy and many other men who I've become close to is what if we were judged by the world for the worst things we've ever done. Now, you probably haven't broken the law, but the worst thing you ever did may be worse than breaking the law. You may have harmed somebody emotionally. You may have done some things that were inappropriate that are not illegal. And if, if everyone judged you and I by the worst things we've ever done, our life would not be very good. It wouldn't be as good as it is. So I, one thing I'm clear about, and it, it, it's, it, I think I figured this out inside, is that I do not judge. I judge men for how they treat me. I, I treat men with dignity and respect because that's how they treat me. And they get that right back. And I, and I, I, give, I give my heart, my emotion. If, if I've got any experience or wisdom, I, I want to pass that on. And so... I just want all of you to just think about the judgments that we're placing on each other and the judgments we place on people in our lives are important to us. I think it's really, really imperative that for us to have the kind of life we want, we drop the judgment. And we, 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 we treat people not based on the worst things they've ever done because they're not that. You're not the worst thing you've ever done and neither are they. Theirs just happens to be public. There just happens to be a court record on it. Your, yours has probably not got a court record tied to it, but it may be just as bad, just, maybe worse. So let's let's be slow to judge, quick to show kindness. And uh, my friend Randy sure needed that. And, and frankly, I'm a better guy because I know Randy. I know that. I'm a better guy because I know Randy Chastain. I love that man. And I'm rooting for him. I said a prayer for him last night wanting to make sure he honored his commitment to me to turn himself in. This is Inside Out, my life inside federal prison and my friends who are still in federal prison. Thanks so much for listening.